So no doubt, today we are going to be looking at Christmas through the eyes of a child. Now we've looked at a few different lenses so far in this series, a fresh look at Christmas. Today we're going to be looking at Christmas through the eyes of a child. By the way, you can follow along on the screens or you can follow along on the Bridge app by scrolling over to Notes and choosing Goldsboro and you can follow along with the notes there. But I want to ask you a question as we get started on a fresh look at Christmas through the eyes of a child. The question is this, do you remember being a kid at Christmas? I want everyone to just, just stop and think about that for a minute. Do, do you remember being a kid? Maybe, maybe the better question is, is, do you remember the feelings associated with being a kid at Christmas? When I was a kid, a small child, my dad was in the military, and so in the Air Force, and he was stationed in Tampa, Florida, MacDill Air Force Base. And so Christmas for us meant 82 degrees, Always. It, always. it always meant shorts and t-shirts. And uh, I remember walking up to the mall with our family on a Christmas Eve doing one of our greatest traditions, which was going to the dollar store and buying uh, us kids amongst ourselves, uh, buying Christmas presents for each other. And you could do a lot with a dollar. Did you know that? And so we would do that. And I remember walking through the parking lot in shorts, feeling the heat from the pavement hit my legs. That, that's what Christmas was for us. And we, we only dreamed of snow. Snow was this, was this magical thing maybe that only happened in the North Pole, you know. And so we, we never saw snow. Well, I remember one year if it got so cold that mom and dad bundled us up in all these layers because we didn't have real thick winter coats because we didn't need them. So we were in all these layers. And, and I remember being in that same parking lot, except for this time it was freezing cold. And I was in the back of our van. There was four kids. And I remember looking out the window, it being so cold, and just wishing it would snow. I heard my mom and dad say, hey, there's a, there's a chance the weather's, and I was just wishing. And I remember looking for anything that resembled snow. And finally, this one lone snowflake made its way all the way down and landed on the window. It's snowing! I mean, I was going crazy. This one little snowflake, and I'm like, do, do you see it? Come here and look. And everyone's staring at the window, and we're trying to find this little dot that's on the window. I was so excited. And I remember that feeling, not just being a kid at Christmas, but I remember the feeling. And maybe you have a similar story uh, where you remember being a kid, and you remember the feeling, the awe that was associated with Christmas time. I, I, my kids today, they, they get so excited just about putting up the Christmas tree. And I have to ask the question, what is it about getting older that we lose some of that childlike wonder? What is it? We, we tend to lose some of it. I think it's interesting how Jesus used a child to describe how we're supposed to come to him, how we're supposed to approach God. He, he used a child. And one day Jesus is teaching and his disciples are arguing and they come to him and ask this really fun question. And they, the question they ask is, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus gives him this really shocking answer, and I want to read it with you in Matthew chapter 18. He's, it's the, the story says, at the, that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And this is what he does. This is crazy. He called a little child and had him come stand among them. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about children in this, this part of the world and in this society, this era, kids really didn't have a whole lot of oomph. I mean, they were looked at as people who get in the way. Uh, but so it shocked everybody in this culture when Jesus talked about the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and he had a kid come up. And this is what he says. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you change, everybody say change, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a statement. 
Listen to what he says next. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, can you say humbles? Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And what he was saying was there is something very significant about the way he made us as children. What is it about little kids that God wants us to get back to? What, what is it? Well, do you know that when we're kids, we're quick to forgive? Yeah. How many of parents have ever just really blown it with your kids? And they forgive pretty quick, don't they? When you ask them to forgive you, I mean, they're, they're right in there. Kids also trust completely. They're, they're very trusting. Kids are utterly dependent on their parents or their caregivers, much like we're supposed to be dependent on God. They're very dependent, and they always ask for help. Kids also, they, they don't harbor any hate. They're, it doesn't matter what color somebody is or how much has been done to them. There's love in their hearts for everybody. See, we learn to do the opposite from others as we become adults. But there's something about kids, something about the way God made us as children. And he says, kids have it right. They, there's something about the kids. They, they have it right. And that's how, he says, how you should approach life. More importantly, he says that's how you should approach God. And I, I love how he talks about being childlike and not childish. You get my drift? I don't know why, but a lot of the guys in the room are just staring at me right now because we're, we're typically the ones that we have, to, we have to kind of gauge that. But women too, all of us, we, we have to understand he's talking about being childlike and not childish. Paul in the New Testament, he says very plainly, he says, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. So you need to understand as we go forward here, I'm not talking about being childish. I'm talking about what God says about being childlike. And he said the key to changing, he says, is, is doing this, two words. He said, you have to change and you have to humble yourself. And we really need to understand those two words that, that we repeated a second ago. He says, unless you change and become like little children. And I, I looked up the word change and how he meant it, because we all know and understand that the Bible wasn't written in English. Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't, but it was written a long time ago in another part of the world. And so this particular scripture was, was written in Greek, and he says, unless you change. And the word there uh, actually means to go back again. He was saying, you've got to go back to a previous thing. And in this context, he was saying, you have to go back to childlike joy, childlike wonder. He said, you have to change and go back. And two, he said, you have to humble yourself. Now, why would it take humbling yourself to do that? Well, it's because breaking down the walls that we've built up as adults and reverting back to childlike wonder, it takes breaking pride. It really does as adult. It takes unlearning some of the thinking and behaviors that we've evolved into. Can we just admit that today? I know people right now, and maybe you know somebody like this too, that they would rather have their arm severed off than to let you know that they're having a good time. They, they just would. And, and maybe that's not the extreme that you are, but to trust and forgive like, like a child does, man, to be hopeful and to be joyful like a child, that means undoing some of your current ways of thinking, and it means lowering yourself, doesn't it? It means, it means humbling yourself. And Jesus understood that this would be an issue. And that's why I said, as you change, he said, be sure that you humble yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but I spend many days sometimes just wishing that I could have, you know, the weightlessness that my kids have in life. Do you? You ever have one of those days where you just have the pressure on you? And, and really, it's self-induced because how we respond to pressures in life is really up to us. 
And, and God gives us everything we need to trust in him. But, but sometimes we just, we have all this on us and we put it on ourselves and we keep thinking and we keep cycling it and it just makes anxiety pop up. And we just wish that we could have the weightlessness joy that, that our kids have. And what Jesus says is, is that's how we should approach life every day. And he says we can. So if we can, if we could, I, I want to talk about what that looks like with our time left together today. Is that okay? Because if Jesus says to do it, then I believe that it's worth doing. Would you agree? So let's talk about what it means to preserve childlike joy, childlike wonder. And we're going to talk about three ways to do this as we change and as we humble ourselves. Here we go. The first thing we need to do is we need to appreciate the moments. Kids just appreciate the moments in life. Uh, they've mastered the art at appreciating the moments. I mean, whenever you can't see it, buddy, they are appreciating it. My kids came up to me after school one day, and uh, there, there was all this work that was still in my brain. My brain was fried. I, I was done. Um, they had homework to get done. There was laundry that needed to be folded. All four of them needed a shower or a bath. And this is what they say to me, let's go get frozen yogurt. I'm like, what? You know, do you not understand what we have to do? Big smiles on their faces. They just don't, they don't have a clue. They're just living in the moment right there. And, and they're not focused on yesterday. They're not focused on tomorrow. They're just enjoying life right now. Now, could we go and get frozen yogurt and still get all that other stuff done? Yeah, probably. I just didn't feel like it. I didn't want to do it. And sometimes the answer is still no, because we have other things that we need to do. But, but every now and again, I try to respond to the moment that God's given me right then. And I try, I, I, I try to shock them. And sometimes I shock myself. And they ask that same question, and I go, yes! And they're like, what? Really? Let's get in the truck. And we just drop everything, and we go get frozen yogurt. And, but the reason why they're able to do that, the reason why they even ask the question is because they appreciate the moment that is right now. And we need to learn sometimes to appreciate the moment. And I just got to say, there are moments all around you all the time that if we would listen to God, he would show us and open up our eyes to see these moments that we could stop and that we could appreciate. Sometimes when the pressure's on the most, that's whenever God wants us to stop and appreciate the moment. Just a couple of weeks ago, we put our Christmas tree up. Uh, and of course, the kids love it, and they, they come down, and they're, they're ready to help me decorate it. And, and of course, that means that only the bottom third of the Christmas tree gets any ornaments because they can't reach, which means I'm constantly having to move them up. Um, but there were boxes of ornaments all over the floor. There were Christmas tree kind of branch shavings all over the place. Um, there was popcorn on the floor and on the table where they had eaten some popcorn a little bit before. And I was really fighting not to be in Christmas police mode. Does any parent know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, don't touch that. Don't do anything with that. Hey, that's an ornament that I got when I was a kid. Don't touch it. And instead of preserving that child like all in wonder, we like slap it right out of them. You know what I mean? I don't abuse my kids. That was a, that was a euphemism, you know. But I was fighting not to just kind of get on them. And in the midst of all the mess, God opened my eyes to a moment. And my seven-year-old son, my youngest son, he's standing on the footstool in front of this big Christmas tree. And he's just looking up at the Christmas tree. And he's got this ornament in his hands. And he's just wide-eyed wonder, just where's the perfect place to put this ornament? And as I'm, sta I'm standing behind him, and I'm kind of a little bit back. And all I, I can see his whole body and the back of his little head. And all I can think is, is this my little boy? Just this wide-eyed wonder. Nothing else in the world seems to matter to him except for where to put this ornament. And God said, appreciate this moment. He said, right here in this moment, forget the heaviness that you put on yourself, and I want you to feel the joy of your child. 
And as I, it just took about maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds. And as I began to just enjoy this moment, the weight came off of me. The boxes on the floor and the mess didn't exist. The popcorn, you know, I could care less about it. All that existed was my little boy and the joy that he had for this Christmas ornament. Now, in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your life, in the middle of all the turmoil, there are moments that God is going to give you just like that, if you'll listen, where you can experience the joy and the weightlessness of a child. Did you know that? And it doesn't have to involve kids. I have four of them, so most of my stories involve kids. But it could be a sunrise that God just opened your eyes to because you can see a sunrise a million times and miss the sunrise. Do you know what I'm saying? It could be something as simple as your favorite meal. And God says, look at what I've given you today. And you become joyful about it. It could become the joy of family. Whatever it is, God's given you these moments. And Psalm chapter 118 says this, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us, what? What's the next word? All together? Let us rejoice. Let us be glad in this day that God has made. And it's not that you can't do it. It just takes becoming like, like a child, childlike, and learning to appreciate the moments that God gives you to be filled with joy no matter what life messes are around you. And, and I get it. Sometimes it's hard when you're hurting and you're going through a season of grief or, or maybe when your, your bills are due and you don't know how, how you're going to pay them. Or, or maybe you have relationship strains. But here, you know what I've realized in, in all of my 36 years, which may not seem like a lot to some of you, and some of you it does. That's re- Here's what I've realized. All of that stuff, a lot of the times, are yesterday problems or they're tomorrow issues, both of which we can do nothing about. And I think that's why James chapter 4 says this. How do you know what your life is going to be like tomorrow? Your life is, is it's like the morning fog, right? It's, it's here a little while, and then it's gone. And so we go back to that scripture in Psalm 118. Rejoice and be glad today. Appreciate the moments. Are you paying attention to the moments? Or are you paying attention to the, the anxieties? Because I, sometimes I admit, I, I really mess the moments up. I miss them because I'm so worried about what's happening. And, and, and one thing about these moments that I've realized is that they're quick. God opens your eyes to them, and then they're gone if you don't pay attention. They're, they're quick. And sometimes I miss them. But that's, I think that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, he said, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. That's a joyful thing. AKA, God has given you opportunities to be joyful right now, and you can miss them if you stay focused on the places and the things that haven't happened yet. And we're capable of, of staying focused on those things in, in our adult brains, but guess what? We're also capable of leaving those places and resting in what God is doing right now and trusting Him because that's where the joy is. That's where the childlike awe is. That's where the wonder is. And that's how we live childlike uh, with, that, with that sense of wonder, by paying attention to what he's doing. I, I've heard that kids have this principle that they live by. And maybe it's unspoken. I don't know. But I, th- this is what I've heard it is, that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. And that's why they call it the present. Give that a second. That's why they call it the present. So we have to learn to appreciate the moments. Second thing we can do to change and humble ourselves and preserve that childlike wonder is to keep singing. Keep singing. Now, that may come as a shock to some of you, but guess guess what? You were made to sing. Now, pick yourself up, up off the floor. That doesn't necessarily mean you were made to sing from a stage or hold a microphone and do it. 
but God made you to sing. And the reason is because music and singing express joy from a place deep down inside of you where stress can't live. That's why music cheers you up. Uh, how many of you have been through a, a season of hardship or you're just having a bad day and you just get in the car on the way home and, and you crank up your favorite tune? You escape for a while, don't you? Music takes us to that place where stress can't live. You were made to sing. Did you know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a young woman in her teens whenever God called her to be the mother of Jesus? Did you know that? She, she was a young, young woman. And her, she overflowed with this news, and she responded in song. Listen to what she says in Luke chapter 1, verses 46. It says, she said this, I am bursting with God news. I love that. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me, and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth. We can take a cue from this young teen. God made you to sing, so keep singing. And I think kids and teens know this better than anybody. Uh, they, they don't even have to think about it. They haven't learned to stress over the things that we've taught ourselves to do as adults as we go along. So they're, they're free to sing. And if the tune comes to their head, guess what? They sing it. Uh, my little girl sitting in the backseat of the truck, typically when she always wants to hear a song as soon as we get in the truck. I want to hear a song, Daddy. I want to hear a song. What do you want to hear, Mia? And then she'll, she'll start telling me what it is, and she'll start out low. And then she'll build her confidence up. Next thing you know, she's yelling at the top of her lungs. And her brothers are going, would you please be quiet? You're singing way too loud. I said it nicely. They say it in a different way. But kids sing. And, and we need to take a cue from them. Uh, pastor Mike Bro is a, a pastor of a, of a really thriving church. He tells the story of being on an airplane. And the airplane is delayed. And what happens when airplanes get delayed? Adults get frustrated. And all of a sudden, these adults, they start complaining, and they start bickering. And out of all the, the bickering and complaining, the voice of a little boy starts to rise over the, over the complaining. And you hear, hear this, you better watch out. You better not cry. True story. You better watch out. I'm telling you why. Then he breaks out into Bruce Springsteen. Santa Claus is coming to town. God wants us to have more of a song in our hearts. What songs have you been missing out on because you've been so focused on the anxieties and pressures in life? When our little girl was born, she had a heart defect, and she went into heart failure at six weeks old. It was tough, and we lived at the hospital for a little stint in our lives, and we knew that she had a single-digit percentage chance of living. That's hard on a parent. And I remember while Katie and I were sitting in an empty hospital cafeteria late one night, we were there and we were trying to find some type of hope. And all of a sudden, this woman from across the way uh, in this empty cafeteria, she just starts to sing. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was so random, but she just began to sing. And she began to sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It is well with my soul. She was belting it out. I'm not going to do it here. It is well, it is well with my soul. And she just begins to sing this over and over, this one kind of phrase over and over again. And we never spoke a word to her. She never spoke a word to us. She just sang. And I don't know what reason she decided to, but I'm so grateful she did. She just decided to sing a few bars right there in the middle of a late night, empty cafeteria at a hospital. And she decided to become childlike right there. And, and go to a place of joy in her heart. And unbeknownst to her, without even knowing it, she brought joy to two young parents, even if just for a moment. You're never going to know how your song is going to bring you joy. 
and maybe, just maybe, you'll never know how your song is going to bring joy to somebody else. So keep singing. That's a great lesson we can learn from kids. I don't care how bad your voice is, you sing at the top of your lungs, okay? I just gave you permission. Somebody say amen to that, because I know somebody's been looking for some permission for a long time. My husband or my wife tells me to shut up every time I sing. They tell me to stick to the radio. Pastor Ryan gave me some permission. Yeah, <laughs> y'all still ain't responding. Okay. <laughs> so we got to keep singing. Number three this is the last one. You have to see the world in awe. See the world in awe. Kids, they see the world in awe. That's a lesson we need to learn from kids. They, they see the world in all. And, and the thing about it is, we see the world in all, too, as adults. We just have to work at it. It, it takes a little bit for us. Uh, when our family went to the mountains several years ago, we were driving up the mountains. The kids had never seen the mountains before. And we got into the foothills. You know what I'm talking about? When the landscape starts to change, and all of a sudden, you see the mountains come into view. And the first thing I did when I saw them is I turned around to the kids, and I was like, look at that mountain over there, you know? And they're, they're just wide-eyed, and they're like, wow! And they said, are we going up that thing? And I'm like, yes! And they're like, woohoo! I mean, they were, they were so pumped, and they're so excited, and, and I'm getting excited, and I don't know why, but I am. And I got to thinking, why am I getting so excited? I've been to the mountains a lot. Why did I even think to tell them to look? And the reason is because I see the world in all, too, but I have to work at it. Because typically, the only time I see the world in all, typically, is when I'm around them. You know what I mean? Some of the things that get you excited would never get you excited if your kids weren't around. I mean, can you just imagine me being on a trip with a bunch of adults and me going, look at those mountains over there, you know? <laughs> I mean, I would never do that. But when the kids are around, man, we're, we're all in. Why? Because we see the world in all too, but we have to work at it. Did you know that you have within you the capability to see the world in all a whole lot more than you do? And so do I. We have, we have within us the capability to open our eyes and our mouth and express all around the world, but it's, it's pride that we build up. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. It's that I'd rather sever my arm than let you know I'm in all right now. <laughs> but Jesus said, man, be childlike. Don't, don't be embarrassing. Don't be childish, but be childlike. He said, that's, that's how you're going to understand what heaven is like, and I'm grateful for that. And so whenever we see a moment where we're in awe, then what we need to do is we need to capture that moment. Are you with me? Capture it. Don't let it go. If something excites you about the world, then, then go on and be in awe over it. Do you know that, that it's, it's so easy to get distracted by things like work and by, by bills? Am I talking to anybody in here? What, what do I have to be in awe about when I've got laundry piling up and no one's helping me or I haven't vacuumed the floor and, and I'll let you fill in the number of weeks because we'd never admit it. <laughs> but one of, the, one of the greatest characters in the Bible that we can easily miss when it comes to the first Christmas story is the shepherds. Uh, did you know that, that the shepherds were probably kids? You ever wonder why God picked them to bring the good news of Jesus? They were the lowest paid. They were kind of like peons in that culture when it came to society. But oftentimes they were kids. You remember the story of David in the Old Testament whenever he'd be out in the fields watching his father's sheep? He was a shepherd and he was a, he was a boy. He was a young kid. Maybe the reason why God chose to reveal the news to the shepherds was because they were young kids or young teens. And, and he knew something. He, he knew how they'd respond. He knew that they'd get excited about the news. He knew that, that they'd seek out the Christ child, not just say, well, 
like adults can so easily do. He, he knew maybe that they would burst with excitement. Just maybe he knew that they would infect other people with their joy. Maybe, just maybe, he knew that the shepherds would be the ones that were in awe over the news. And if you don't believe me, uh, volunteer and bridge kids. Hear me say it again. Volunteer and bridge kids. And one more time, volunteer. <laughs> like a teacher's in here like, please, amen, say it. Volunteer and bridge kids and, and watch them. Watch them respond to the news of, of God whenever it clicks and whenever the light bulb goes off and they begin to understand this message and how it applies to them because they do an awesome job at teaching our children how to serve God in a way they can understand. You watch their faces. You think you get excited when you hear things about God? You watch the kids and watch how they get excited. They go exuberantly above and beyond. Last night, I, I was on the way home with my kids, and they wanted to hear something called Popsico. Any parents in here know what that is? Yeah, I had pretty much the same response. I had no idea what it was, but it was this song that didn't ever seem to end uh, about God and about how you popsico and this is how I popsico and, and the kids were just going nuts. And I'm like, how? Uh, I'm so annoyed by this right now. They were so pumped. They were so excited. They were in awe. And I was like, please let this be the last verse, you know? They get so excited because they're kids and they, they have this, this childlike awe about them. Maybe that's one of the reasons why God chose the shepherds to deliver the news that the Christ child had come. Maybe that's one of the reasons that God chose to come in the form of a child. And that gives us a reason to be in awe. That gives us a reason to live out every single day with hope and with love and to have this joyful expectancy because God is with us. Because not only are we guaranteed a place in heaven because of it, not only are we guaranteed the salvation of our souls, but we're also guaranteed abundant life right here. We're guaranteed, if you'll respond to it, we're guaranteed life. And Jesus said it like this, I've come to give you life. And then he didn't stop there. He said, not only that, but life to the full. He said, everything else in your life, man, it's going to build you up and it'll eventually leave you empty. He said, but I've come to give you life and that to the full. And we, we can be joyfully expectant of that right now. You want to know why? Because God is with us. Did you know that? Did you know that, that God is with us every single day whenever you're about your business and you have the, the pressures of life? You can know that God is with me. God is with me. You can know God is with you. You can say that. God, I know you're with me. There's been so many times in, in people's lives that I've counseled and in my own life where it's the, the rubber meets the road and, and we feel the, the worst and the heaviest in life. And that one simple phrase, when you observe it, when you really see it, when you decide to open your eyes and your heart to be able to really recognize that, it's something that goes way down deep into your soul and lifts you up more than any other thing. And that is that I know God is with me. It was announced like this in Matthew chapter 1. It says this, that the virgin, talking about Mary, will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him, this is what they call him, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's a promise of a gift that God gave, that he is with you. That's something to be in awe about. Would you agree? Let me close with a, a story. There's a, a man by the name of Chuck Colson. So may, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, he's the founder of uh, an organization called Prison Fellowship, and they do lots of ministry to prison inmates. And as they're doing this, they, they realize that there was a lot of inmates' kids 
that were suffering at Christmas time. They weren't. They were, didn't have that uh, that Christmas that every kid dreams about because their parents are incarcerated. And they they started this thing called Project Angel Tree. And what this does is it gives opportunities for people in the community to donate toys, to donate all kinds of things. And they take all this stuff and they go and give to the the kids of of incarcerated uh, parents their children who otherwise wouldn't get anything and they give it on behalf of their incarcerated parent and so years ago chuck was delivering um, some of these gifts to an inner city family in washington dc and he gets to this apartment building and it's it's run down it's one of these you know project like places and the screen door was hanging on one hinge radiators going full blast in this house and, and there's there's four or five kids running around and the mom wasn't home, and he gets there, and he walks in, and he's got all these gifts in his hands. <laughs> and the boy, one of the boys comes up, and he's going nuts. He is so excited. And he's like, what is all this? And he says, well, here, I got some presents from your dad. And he sets the gifts down, and the little boy says, well, what's your name? And he says, well, I'm Chuck. And Chuck looks at him, and he says, what's your name? And the little boy says, I'm Emmanuel. And Chuck's eyes lit up, and he said, well, do you, do you know what your name means? And the boy said, no, I don't know what, what it means. And so Chuck, he carries a little Bible in his back pocket, and he, he gets down on one knee. This little boy comes over, and he opens up to the place with the scripture that we just read together. And he says, your name means God is with us. Look, it says it right here. And about this time, the mom's coming home, and she walks in the door. And, and the little boy runs over to his mommy and says, mommy, mommy, God is with us. God is with us. Such a phrase he'd never heard before. And by that time, Chuck kind of goes off, and, and he, he's walking down this, this cold street in, in Washington, D.C., and the little boy's voice and the words rang in his ears, God is with us. God is with us. And he said, I knew right then, this, this is the hope of the world, that God is with us. Church, God is with us. I don't know if you knew that. I, I mean, you may have heard it. You may have kind of let it become a cliche and it goes over your head. But I want you to grasp that if you don't hear anything else this morning, that God is with you. Maybe you've shut him out. That we do that as human beings. We're actually wired to, to turn away from God. Did you know that? I'm not condoning it, but give yourself a little bit of permission to be human and don't shame yourself. Hear me when I say that and understand how I'm saying it. Because God paid an awful big price for you to walk around with shame and guilt in your life and never come to him. So don't let the shame keep you from him. God is with you, and he desires you. The Bible says that he pl has plans for you to prosper you, to give you a hope, not to hurt you, but to give you a future. He said that he, he, he ordained you, he predestined you to be holy and to be blameless not in and of yourself. He knew you couldn't do it. He knew I couldn't. So he says to be holy and blameless in Jesus. And he came to this earth and he died for you. Took on the penalty that you couldn't pay and he paid it in full. That's the hope that we have. And he even said one of his names, one of many, how he relates to us. It's not who, what he did, it's who he is. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us, the very God of heaven in human form right here. And he paid for your sins. And he loves you. And he's longing for us to embrace this gift that he gave us and to be with him. 
And, and my, my wish for you this Christmas, maybe I'll say it like this, my childlike wish for you this Christmas is that you would embrace that hope, that you would embrace that love, that you would embrace the grace of God. And maybe sometime during this season, or better yet, maybe right here in this very moment, you would humble yourself and change and become his child. That's his hope. Can we stand together and pray as we close today? And as we stand together, I, I know that there's some folks in here right now that are hearing this message that and your heart's pounding. That's not me. That's, that's God. This isn't my word, this is his word. You're not my child, you're his child. I've just been loved a lot, and so I love you. And I want you to know that God desires you. If that's, that's you, if you feel that, that pull in your heart, my hope this morning is that you don't ignore it, but that you respond to him. And God doesn't make it tricky. He doesn't make it some weird mystery or some require some magical wordy prayer. You know what God says? You turn your heart to me, and I meet you right where you are. So as I pray today, and as you pray with me, I, if, if those of you who are right in that moment and that you feel God calling you, I just, my hope is, is that you respond to him. Be bold, be courageous, and just respond to him. He hears your heart. Can we pray together? Let's do it, church. God, I, I love you. We love you, Lord, as a church. And our desire, God, is to not take ourselves so seriously that we can't be filled with all, that we can't appreciate moments, that we can't sing every now and again, that we can't be filled with all and respond to it. We want to be childlike, Father. You paid an awful big price, a hefty price, for us to walk around heavy. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying it's a flip of a switch, God, but what I am saying is that you can show us how to do those things. And I pray for every person in here, God, that you would show us. Lord, if, if there's somebody in the room right now that's never responded to you that way or, or maybe they're, they're trying to make their way back to you, God, you see them. You know their hearts. Lord, your, your word says that you haven't come to condemn us, but that you've come to save us. And I pray that message right now would, would resonate with those hearts. There is no condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no shame. You don't see it. You see purity. You, you see holiness. You see blamelessness because of what Jesus did whenever we respond to you, God. And I, I pray right now that those who are stuck, as David described in the Old Testament, like in their lives look like muck and mire and they feel stuck. Lord, but David said, you lifted me out and brought me into a spacious place. And I, I pray that message right now be what they hear as they respond to you, Father, that their lives, as soon as they walk out of this room, begin to feel spacious, begin to feel like places where they can breathe and take a deep breath and have room to stretch. The enemy would have us feel like we're in bondage. But God, I, your word says you've come to save us and give us life to the full. And I pray right now, Father, whoever is in this room that needs to respond to you like that, God, they need to hear your voice in their heart. I pray that you be true to your word. God, we believe right now that you came and that you died for us, that you really spilled your blood for us, that you were innocent. We were the ones that were guilty, but you paid for our sins. Lord, that you really died. And not only that, God, but that you rose to life, giving us life, and that you're in heaven right now, and that by your word, we have you through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, being our guide, being our teacher, showing us how to live, reminding us of the things that you said to us long ago in your word. Lord, it doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't, it, we're still human, 
God, but what it does mean is that we want to wake up every day and aim our heart at you. And we trust you to make up the difference in our lives. Show us how to live. Change us any way you want. We just want to tell you right now we're willing and we know that you're able. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray every single bit of this. Can we say amen together and agree to that church? Amen. Amen. I love every one of you. Thank you so much for coming.